When you stop and think about it for a second, as entrepreneurs, we are always pitching. We're pitching ourselves and our services, our products and offers. We're pitching partnerships, sponsorships, features, endorsement deals. We're pitching potential employers, new acquaintances. And in some cases, we're even pitching for funding. Heck, as parents, we're even pitching for less screen time and more vegetables every dang day. Safe to say that having the ability to hone an effective pitch is a pretty essential tool in business and in life. If you aren't comfortable pitching yourself or your offer, it's time for you to start thinking about how to hone your inner confidence and step up so you can land the big gigs. And if you're comfy with pitching, maybe it's time to make sure your pitches are hitting the key points because pitching with confidence, while cringeworthy for some, can be the most impactful way to catapult your personal development and fast forward your business growth. And that's why my guest, Tracy Bell of Millennia Tea, is here today to help you to perfect your pitch. In today's workshop, we are getting down and dirty with crafting your pitch. We are digging in and getting specific on how to pitch strategically. We discuss things like how much information is too much information, what stories are important to tell, and we also talk about some of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs can make when artfully communicating their wares. Tracy is here to teach you how to cut the fluff and speak directly to the heart of the person you are pitching to. By the end of this episode, I'm pretty confident that you will be more ready than ever to hone your unique pitch and start locking in those dream deals for your business. Are you ready for that? You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Tracy Bell. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to learn all about how to pitch with you today. How are you? Hi, Kelly. So happy to be here. Doing great. Can't wait for our conversation. Oh my goodness. So you have been through it when it comes to entrepreneurship and pitching. And I know that many listeners probably already know who you are and have seen you on Dragon's Den, but I'd love to hear in your own words, who is Tracy Bell? What has been your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So we, like so many entrepreneurs, we came to entrepreneurship by accident. We had a very personal problem in our family, sort of a big need for us. It was a health scare. And what we needed wasn't available on the market. So we created it. Before entrepreneurship, I worked in television. I was a television reporter with CTV News for a number of years. And then once my husband Rory and I had started our family, I moved over to communications and community relations did that for a university in Atlantic Canada for a number of years, and then became the head of public affairs and corporate communications for a provincial emergency health organization. And at that point, I was sort of at the top of my game. I was part of the C-suite, reporting directly to the president, had an awesome team. I was accredited in my profession, had just won national and then global awards for a communications program 
I'd rolled out to help increase bystander CPR rates and sort of at the top of my game. And then in 2016, we had a health scare in our family. Fortunately, it ended well, positively, but it got us thinking about some things that we hadn't previously considered. Things like free radicals and how they're roaming around in our body. And if you don't neutralize it, they can lead to disease like cancer. And we learned that there is a powerhouse antioxidant in tea that's really effective at fighting free radical damage and protecting cells. It's called epigallocatechingallate or EGCG. And EGCG levels are highest in fresh picked tea leaves. And so we went looking for fresh tea for our family for health reasons, not for the enjoyment of tea. And when we couldn't find anyone anywhere who would sell them to us, We were really frustrated and we decided to create it. Since then, I've been sort of on an entrepreneurial journey that has taken us to countries on the other side of the world with partners in Sri Lanka and Kenya and to experiences, as you mentioned, like Dragon's Den and FoodX is an accelerator. I spent three months in New York last fall, one of eight companies in the world selected to be part of the number one food innovation accelerator globally. Wow. And to be able to now feel as though we are doing a lot of good and our mission is fueling wellness with the freshest and most antioxidant-rich teas anywhere. So feeling like now I'm living my purpose. Amazing. So I need to know as a semi-regular tea consumer, those dry tea leaves, Have I been just drinking something that's no good all these years? Like, how did we not know that fresh tea leaves were so full of goodness? So tea in its dried format, it's certainly good for you, obviously. But the antioxidant that is sort of known as the darling of tea polyphenols, the one that has the most potential to positively benefit health, it's called EGCG. And those levels are highest in fresh picked tea leaves. And they degrade with prolonged exposure to heat, light, and air, i.e. processing, And so if you want to keep the highest levels of antioxidants and by extension health benefits, then you're going to drink fresh tea. Our company is called Millennia Tea because millennia by definition means a period of thousands of years. And thousands of years ago, when tea was first discovered, it was considered medicinal and enjoyed with leaves fresh from the field. It's only when companies started exporting their teas overseas that they started drying and fermenting them so they would survive the long journey. And the world has been drinking dried teas ever since. And so we make tea in a way that's opposite the rest of the world. Instead of picking and processing, picking and drying and cooking in one way or the other, steaming or pan frying, to have a product that sits on a shelf, we work with farmer partners to pick, wash and flash freeze tea leaves so that they keep most antioxidants and then they're food grade too. Amazing. So you're disrupting the tea industry in a sense in providing this alternative way for consuming tea that is full of all the health benefits. We are reimagining the global category of green tea and working to do a lot of good at the same time. Amazing. I am just so enamored by all of that. And I've seen your beautiful photos of your traveling and I guess harvesting the tea leaves. And I even have some in my freezer right now as well. So I know that it's a very tasty and beautiful product as well. So I'm just so excited about this whole process. I also had the opportunity to watch you on Dragon's Den, and I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about what that was like behind the scenes. So Dragon's Den, it's funny. I thought I was prepared for Dragon's Den because my background is 
television reporter. I reported on hard news and some lifestyle stories, but it was different. Something I said, when you watch the show, you always see sort of the participants, the pitchers who are like going into commercial. They have these screwed up looks on their face. And I said to Rory going in, I was like, honey, it doesn't matter what they say. We are going to look graceful and composed no matter what. And then they put you into sort of the flow of how it goes on the show. And so you go in this green room, a literal green room, and you pace and you don't know how long it's going to be until you're called. And for us, it was the better part of three hours. And then they come and they collect you. And then it's like a mad dash to get out in front of the dragons. And so you're prepping tea, you're getting mic'd. They stand you at the bottom of the stairs. They say, go up, go down, stand on the X and start your pitch. And you haven't set up your product or anything. The producers do that. And so it was a bit of a surreal experience. You go up, you go down, there's all these cameras and lights. And then you see the dragons who you've never seen in person before. And it feels like a very surreal sort of experience. What you have, though, is you have your 60 second pitch. That is the part that you have some control over. And after that, it can go in any directions that the dragons will choose. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine the amount of nerves and prep work that go into that. So you've provided us with the clip of you doing your 60 second pitch on Dragon's Den. So let's play that now. Next in the den, a couple from New Brunswick, hoping to freeze time in the den and bag a deal. Hello, Dragons. My name is Tracy Bell. And my name is Rory Bell. We're from Moncton, New Brunswick, and our company is called Millennia Tea. We're here asking for a $100,000 investment in exchange for 19% of our fresh tea company. So our company started after a cancer scare in the family. We set out to learn everything we could about the nutritional properties of tea. There's a powerhouse antioxidant in tea called EGCG, or epigallocatechin gallate that's credited with some pretty important health benefits, and that EGCG levels are highest in tea leaves in the hours immediately after they're picked. So what we did is we developed a patent-pending process that delivers the freshest and most nutrient-rich teas anywhere. The result is an entirely new category of tea, fresh leaf tea. So dragons, who wants to get in on the ground floor and partner with us to infuse the tea industry with the kind of interest we haven't seen in a millennia? Oh my goodness, that had me right at the edge of my seat. So now that I know a little bit about behind the scenes, you waited three hours to get on there and do that. You obviously had really prepared and rehearsed doing that. And as a result, you must have learned so many things about how to effectively pitch your business. So how do you feel after listening to that? Yeah, it's fun to listen back and hear that moment in time and know where we've come sort of since that. It's funny, the rules of pitching remain the same. You want to tell people what you do, why they should care, and where we're going to go from here. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex, the strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests 
breasts to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X, and use the code KellySLawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. I think as entrepreneurs... Pitching can be something that gets a little overlooked because when you sit down and think about it, we are constantly pitching. We're pitching selling our products and services. We're pitching partnerships. We're pitching all the time as entrepreneurs. And it's such an essential part of the role. So tell me what you've learned. Tell me your tips about how to effectively pitch as an entrepreneur. Right. Well, and I think lots of times when you say the word pitching, people think it's that sort of formal process where you're standing up and you're pitching to potential investors. But as you say, we're pitching ourselves and our business all the time. And so it's something that's really good to know. So the fundamental purpose of pitching is to determine fit and get the next meeting. Really, if you boil it down, you want to know, are we a good fit for each other? And where do we go from here? And so in terms of tips, let's start at the basics. You want to remember that it's not about you. Pitching is not about you. It is about them every time. And knowing what is important to your client or potential client or lending institution or whatever the purpose is, you want to be really clear about what your purpose is going into that meeting or that pitch. And you want to know what matters to the person you're about to speak to. What do they care about? What are they worried about? Who do they report to? What's important to that person or to that organization? So that's sort of the first piece is to get into their shoes. Second piece is if you confuse, you will lose. And so jargon, there's no space for jargon in a pitch. And TMI, too much information, is a very real thing. I have listened to so many people pitch and your eyes gloss over when your body has to physically start burning calories because it's working so hard to understand what's going on, then you've already lost them. And so you want to keep it clear for sure. The other piece is people love stories. They love good stories, especially stories of survival. And those stories are really, really important for your pitch. And the key to story is clarity. So you want to talk about what your customer wants, what problem you solve, And what will life look like after that person engages with your products or your services? Fourth, I would say, is keep it simple. People do not buy the best products. They buy the products they can understand the fastest. And so if you put yourself in a scenario where you're pitching to a bank, pitching to a lending institution, you have a certain amount of time with this individual and organization. You're going to get your information out. If at the end of that meeting... The person you met with can repeat the information back to you. If you tell your banker about your business, your plan, they can go away and explain it to their coworker, then you're probably going to get the loan. If they can't, you're probably not. And then my final thing when it comes to overall things to consider when you're pitching is don't bury the lead. Former journalist here, people sometimes like to start at the beginning and tell a chronological story that comes to a climax and a conclusion don't bury the lead. Most important information, summary sentence up front, and then start to disseminate the most important facts, chronological or not, when you're giving a pitch. Okay. So in your case, what was the lead? What was that hook that you thought was the most important thing to put at the front? So again, my lead's going to change depending on who I'm pitching to Mm -hmm. and what's important to them. But for me, it's 
a health scare in the family caused us to reimagine the most consumed beverage in the world after water. Or I would say something to the effect of we are on a mission to share the freshest and most antioxidant-rich tea anywhere to help fuel wellness. So it's all going to depend a little bit. I'm going to tweak it a little based on who I'm talking to, but it's going to cover who I am, what I do, why they should care, and have a clear line in the next couple of sentences of where we can go from there. And so if you want, I'd be happy to go through the sort of the cadence of what that story could look like and how a pitch, if you're thinking about, I've got 60 seconds to get it all out to this person to determine if there's a fit or not, and to see where we go from there in the conversation, I can walk you through what those steps are. Absolutely. I would love you to. And just for context for listeners, this can be something that sits on your website. It can be a way that you're presenting your service or offer on social media. It doesn't necessarily mean like you said, Tracy, it doesn't mean that you're standing in front of a room full of dragons with studio lights on you and pitching that way. But it can also apply to the day-to-day pitching that you're doing in your business as well. Exactly. And I think sometimes we get really bogged down in the how we do things and less in the what and why. And so you want to bring those right up top. So for us, if you start with what you do, for me, we're reimagining the global category of tea. Why? Because four years ago, we had a health scare and we needed the most antioxidant-rich tea anywhere to fight free radicals and protect cells. Then you get to the problem. Problem is antioxidants are highest in fresh picked tea and they drop off with prolonged exposure to heat, light, and air, which is how all conventional teas are processed. Then you bring in the solution. So we flip the model on its head. We wash and flash freeze fresh picked organic tea instead of drying and cooking them to preserve more of tea's powerful life-giving properties. So you give your solution and then you talk about your unique value proposition, the thing that makes you different from anyone else. So for me, I'm going to say, The result of that is you get a product that has maximum antioxidants. We're the first washed food grade tea that you can use in smoothies, soups, and sauces. And we have a fresh from the field taste unlike anything on the market today. So if you can do that in 60 seconds, say what you do, why you do it, the problem you solve, how you're the solution and what the unique benefits are of your offering, then you're going to be able to determine really quickly whether you're a fit or not. And it's okay It's okay if you're not a fit too, but good to get that out of the way with really quickly. So you know, if you're a fit, awesome. What's the next step? And if you're not a fit for someone, then you can part ways and move on from there, right? Absolutely. Let's say that we are fit. What happens next? So if you're a fit, then you need to go into some of the how and figure out what the next steps are. Keep in mind that people are going to decide. So your product, your service, unique offering, all of that is super important. But what it comes down to is people do business with people that they like. And so keep that in mind when you're pitching yourself, you might not be a fit for all personalities, but those initial seconds, right? Those initial couple of seconds where we make determinations about people before they've ever said a word, those are going to play in your favor or they're not depending on fit, but people do business with people that they like. And the other thing is if you've done your preparation properly. So if we're looking at next steps, if you've done the work for them and you have anticipated what their needs are, you've anticipated the questions that are going to come, the problems, the barriers that they're going to have with whatever your service or offering is, well, then you can answer those questions proactively. And when you're pitching, oftentimes it makes sense to even ask the question yourself. So you can say, oh, you're probably wondering this. Then you answer the question and then say, and what about this? Yes, blah, blah, blah and just go through and provide that narrative. 
And the other piece is to rehearse. I'm not talking about word for word, but play these scenarios through in your mind before you go to the meeting or the pitch or the presentation or the event, whatever it is, get really, really clear on what your desired outcome is and rehearse how that's going to go in your head. Because when you do that and you get in the right mindset, the chances of it actually doing that, I mean, they're just increased in such a profound way. And so when you expect the best, you're going to get the best. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. And it sounds like a really important part of the process is doing your homework to thoroughly understand who exactly it is you're pitching to because they're going to come with their own set of questions and objections and baggage and resistance and things that they're going to like and things that are going to help to build that trust between the two of you. So it sounds like there's some homework that needs to be done before you come to the pitching table or boardroom table or wherever it looks like. I'm a firm believer in customizing your approach and your pitch for where you're going. In media, we used to receive dozens of press releases every week. And people will say if you're pitching for money or if you're pitching for media, just as two examples, create a list of 100 potential investors or media, send out your press release to all of them, and then hope that you get interest from 20, and then you're going to get one investor out of that. Or similarly with media, and I'm a big fan of not pitching to 100 people with the same pitch, but uber customizing your pitch for who you actually want to talk to and what they actually care about. It takes a little bit more time in the upfront, but then it's not a numbers game. It really isn't. Then you've given something to someone of value. You've solved a problem for you or you've added value to them and you've done your homework, which is just going to create so much more trust. And in life and in business, Being trustworthy, I believe, is your number one asset in having positive relationships and getting what you want. Absolutely. And it sure is going to look a heck of a lot different if you're pitching to an investor or a potential business partner or a customer, right? They're all very different people with very different things to be sold, I guess, in a sense. And understand what they care about in light of current events and in light of current circumstances, because What the bank is investing in now might be different from what they would be looking at at a different time. Same with every group. Just understand what could be in their mind's eye and what sorts of things they're considering before you go into the meeting. 100%. Why don't you tell me a little bit about some of the mistakes that you see people making when they're pitching? So the big one is, I mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating, is 
getting lost in the how. I've pitched formally and informally, obviously, but formally lots of times. And I've since gone on to listen to people's pitches and sort of give some feedback on those. And the biggest thing every time is when somebody goes into the specifics of what they do and you lose it in the first 30 seconds. You really want to be able to say something that someone is going to be able to repeat back to you. Because if you don't, if you lose them, then it's just really hard to recover from. And so making sure that you don't get lost in the details, that you stick to the what and the why and the where do we go from here. First of all, if you're doing any kind of a formal presentation that involves technology, make sure you have gone through it all before you bring your own clicker. If you're doing an actual presentation, make sure you get there early and you've set up because I have seen it happen time and time again where folks will come in and either the technology's not syncing and for a really important meeting or they've forgot their technology or things just don't line up. And there are certain things you can always do to offset that in advance. Maybe it means speaking to the office manager or someone to make sure that you understand what's available. And the other piece I would say is actually rehearse. Know what you're going to say. Imagine how the start of that conversation goes. Know what your key points are. Write them out. Because so often I see folks who will go in and have a really important message or presentation or pitch and they wing it. Winging it is not the right thing to do when it's important. And the other piece is, I'm not sure how often people will be in a scenario where there are multiple people pitching at the same time. I've been in that scenario a few times. And something I notice that happens is folks will all sort of talk beforehand. And what do you talk about? You talk about how nervous you are, prepared you are. Nobody walks out and they're like, oh, I got this. I'm so well prepared. I am so well rehearsed. No, you don't. You go in and you talk about inadequacies. You argue for your limitations. You say, oh, I'm nervous. This is really important. I'm not sure if I'm ready. I haven't prepared enough. I don't do that. I go and I lock myself in a room or a phone booth and I speak out loud to myself for 20 minutes before I walk in that room, mentally rehearse and then out loud rehearse, know what I'm going to say. And then so much positive self-talk before walking into a room because it can only help. Absolutely. And I think too, there's something to be said about what happens to your brain activity when you're feeling under pressure or nervous. Things that you would normally be able to talk very candidly about, maybe suddenly you're lost for words or you can't remember something really basic. It's definitely a phenomenon that when you're nervous, your brain isn't working the way it normally would. And to that point, I think when you head into an important meeting or presentation or pitch, it's okay to have notes. And it's okay to say that you have notes and to say to someone, you know, I'm just going to refer to my notes here. There are a couple of things I wanted to make sure that we spoke about. And I want to make sure I don't forget that because it's really important. So that tells them, one, that you cared enough to prepare and two, that you care enough about their time that you're not going to waste it making small talk. You're going to make sure that you're sticking to the points that were most important so that you respect their time as well. Do you have any advice for people for combating nerves? So when they get into the room and there's all these faces staring at them, they've got their slides prepared. They rehearsed it at home when they were nice and relaxed with their husband or their spouse. What advice do you have for them once they're inside the room for mitigating some of those nerves? Uh, so when it comes to nerves, I think 
the conversation that you have with yourself in your head might be the most important conversation that you have in the course of a day. And so I think just taking the time to sit and to say, I got this. I am prepared. I am confident. I'm successful and I have value to give and I am meant to be in this room just to sort of reassure yourself that sort of self-comfort and self-reassurance is really important and it goes a long way. It's going to go further for you in the heat of the moment than almost anything else you can do is just talk yourself down off the ledge, remind yourself that you wouldn't be in the room if you weren't meant to be in the room. And then, of course, if you're doing a formal presentation, there are all kinds of things that you can do to make sure you get people's attention and to make sure that you deliver a presentation that's really impactful. So those, of course, first make sure your technology is working. If you want to be in presenter view, if you're doing like a PowerPoint presentation, make sure you've got that. But then when you get up there, if you're standing in front of a group of people, you want to breathe. When it comes to actually delivering a presentation, some of the things you want to do are don't stand in front of your slide. Look at people's foreheads. Find that person in the room who's going to be engaged because you're going to look at them often because Mm -hmm. they're going to smile. They're going to nod. They're going to be your cheerleader. And there's always someone in the room. Make that the person that you look at most often because it'll keep your confidence. It'll keep the momentum going in the way that you want. When it comes to actually pitching, you want to come out strong and get people off the kicker. You want to get them to lean in right away because you're going to say something shocking or surprising or really impactful. And a tip that I got from someone who is really experienced in doing presentations, pitching for money especially, is don't start right away, especially if you're in one of those scenarios where there might be multiple people doing presentations over a course of a day. Don't start right away because if you're midway through, you know people are down looking at their phone. If you're talking to a room, wait. If you pause long enough, everyone is going to look up and be like, why isn't this person starting? They've been introduced. And Mm -hmm. once everybody looks up, that's when you start your presentation. That is a brilliant secret. I've done it before and it just works wonders because then you automatically caught their attention because there's like, there's something different about this person. Mm -hmm. And then when they see that you are intentional with your long silence, even better. And you want to do that at different points throughout your presentation as well. If you're making a point that is especially profound or poignant or something, a key message that they need to take home, you're going to pause there as well and probably going to say it again. Is there any value for your audience in me going through some of the sort of presentation tips once you're actually in your deck? I would say a million percent there's value. Okay, so something I didn't realize when I got started in this is if you're doing any sort of a presentation for a group, for a boardroom, for a crowd, you have two presentations. The first one is the one that people see up on the slides, up on the screen. And the second one is what you give them to take home. The one that's up on the screen is going to have few words. So the fewer words, the better. A short bullet point is good. A header, just a header is better. And the best is sort of an image only because then they're paying attention to the storyteller. They're paying attention to you and not getting caught up on what you've written on your slides. In general, the rule of thumb is you don't want to have more than one minute. Don't linger on more than one minute per slide and two decks. So one to show and one to go. The one that you're presenting very image focused. And then the one that you give to whoever it is who who needs to have some information to take away with them, 
well, then that's the deck that has sort of the key messages on each of them. And then the other piece is just say it before you show it. So many times people will flip their slide and then they stand and talk about what's on the slide. And so it's a very like abrupt sort of thing. It's like slide change, talk about the slide. Slide change, talk about the slide. The most effective presenters are going to say something and then the slide is going to change automatically as soon as they've said it. So it feels more natural to our body's sort of rhythm and you should never see the clicker. That clicker should sit on your hip or behind your leg so that it's not obvious that you're changing slides and you should never look at your slides. Yeah, because then you're upstaging your audience. You're turning your head. If you're looking at your slides, they're looking at the back of your head. (laughs) Exactly. And remember, when you're doing any kind of a presentation, I know that speaking in public is something that people find really scary, but we can all be actors. Really, we can all put on that persona while we talk about something that is important to us and that we're passionate about. If we're talking about our company, it's going to come through. That passion will come through. And so just be your company and don't rely on your slides because you know this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it comes from the heart, right? And if it's coming from the heart, you're going to be your most authentic self. And that's just the best person that you can be presenting to a room full of people. Exactly. And that's something you want to remember is that your passion and the way you solve problems, those are your most valuable assets. They're the ones you're not going to get wrong. And so people will want your people, your target audience, the people that you want to work with are going to want to work with you as well, because they're going to see those things in you. And when people look at the kind of people that they want to work with, that they want to partner for business or investment or any of those things, they're looking for people who are passionate first. When people invest in companies, they bet on the founder first. They want to know you're competent and surrounded by a good team. They want to know you're coachable and they want to know you're focused on execution. Wonderful products are wonderful, but more important than that is an okay product with great execution. We'll win over the most innovative product every day. Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a Tonic site. Until I discovered Tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my Tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today, I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%, that's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. For any listeners that might be thinking about pitching for investment dollars now, be it like private equity or maybe a bank loan or something like that, I know that for many entrepreneurs getting started, they really kind of need that little injection of capital to get to the next stage with their business. What recommendations do you have for entrepreneurs who may be pitching for capital? Right, so if you're in the kind of business where you need to be able to grow faster than you can from revenue alone, then you're likely going out for investment or not likely. You're oftentimes going out for investment. So the things that investors really care about, they want to know first, is there a business model? 
They want to know what your business model is. And is there a market for your innovation? Are there people who will buy what you're selling over what's available on the market today? And do you have any market traction? Secondly, they care how protectable is it? What is your sustainable competitive advantage in business? Lots of times they call it your moat. What is that thing that is going to keep other competitors from catching up to you quickly? Do you have IP? What is the protective element there? Do you have a patent? And the third thing they want to know is, can I make money? And for most of the early investors that you're looking at, they want to know, can I add value? These are people who have had great success in life and in business, and they want to give back. And so they want to know, one, are we all going to make some money at the end? And how can I be of service in this business? And something that I find folks do in Canadians, we have a reputation for this. I learned it was very poignant for me when I spent the fall with businesses from around the world in New York City is Canadians, we tend to have a view where we underpromise and want to overdeliver, which is really important in life in general is not to overstate, to underpromise and overdeliver. And honesty and transparency are so, so important. But in business, when you're pitching, it is not the time to be modest. It's the time to really talk about the potential for what you're doing. And investors know that you're going to likely shoot for the moon and land in the stars. And so it's not the time to underpromise and overdeliver. It's the time to really give a good idea of what the market potential is for what you're doing. And they will look at what's considered the believable upside of that. Like I said, investors are looking for, they bet on the founder to start. They want to know if you're competent, if you're coachable, are you going to take their advice? And they want to know, can you get the job done? Most important though, they want to know if you are trustworthy. And so really, really important when you're talking about your business for the potential of getting investment or even loans is to be really accurate and know your numbers well. Don't exaggerate. Not about the opportunity because you've got to know that someone in that group, if you're talking to a group of potential angel or private investors, there is somebody in that group who's Googling what you're saying right there and they better be able to find that what you're saying is true and they'll be wanting to prove you wrong. So be accurate, know your numbers, don't exaggerate. And if you don't know the answer to a question, you simply say that you don't know the answer and we'll get back to someone because people bet on people and they really care to know that you're saying something that's true. So Mm -hmm. I spent a fair bit of time with investors and we have investors. We have both private and institutional and venture capital investors in our company. And the things that really flag for investors are if you talk to an investor, they'll say things that I know are not true. That's a big flag. Inaccuracies, things I don't understand. So it goes back to the talking in jargon and talking about how they don't want to know the nitty gritty. They want you to speak in language that they understand. Things that make me think. I remember I heard that and I was like, what? And that's that whole piece of people need to be able to understand the opportunity and what your offering is in really simple way. They need to be able to understand it and they don't have to think. And you got to stay away from inconsistencies. And the other thing is just a simple grammatical stuff. You want to be accurate and not have any typos. So if you're submitting documentation to potential investors or lending institutions, make sure it's correct and accurate and done well. So those are some of the big things that people want to know. Yeah, my goodness. Just a wealth of pitching information. Now, I have to ask the question, and maybe you're not allowed to answer it, but what was the outcome of the Dragon's Den pitch? Ah, okay. So for us, we made a deal on the show with Jim Living 
And that did not end up ultimately going through in the due diligence process. It was a great experience and his people were really impressed. We went on after pitching on Dragon's Den to go to the biggest tea show in the world for specialty teas. And we were named best new product at the show and got interest from the biggest players in tea. But Jim Treliving was invested in another tea company. So there was a non-compete in place that prevented him from being able to invest in another tea company. Oh. Yeah, we did have another dragon come back to us after the fact and ask if we wanted to partner. And at that time, we made the decision not to and to bootstrap our business. We were at the point where we really wanted to de-risk our business model as much as possible before stewarding anyone else's money. Absolutely. And that way there, you get to keep 19% of your business. Like I think that that's very commendable. And I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs take a look inward the way that you have and think, hang on, do I really need their money or can I do this on my own and keep 100% of my company, you know, or whatever that looks like. Absolutely. It's just all part of the entrepreneurial journey, right? We have these experiences and we're on our way to, you know, our big, hairy, audacious goal. But you need to really just enjoy all of the little steps and the facets and knowing that even though we know where we're going, even though in business, you know what your North Star is, you know where you're going, you know what your values are, to just be flexible, to not know what the journey is going to be, not know Mm -hmm. what the path is going to be, just to trust that you are headed in the right direction and you're going to continue to be guided step by step. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. Tracy, I want to know what is the one sort of thing that you want to send listeners off with today? So they've just taken all of this in. They're already envisioning how they're going to change, how they're showing up to pitch their businesses to either customers or investors or bankers or business partners or whoever it is. What's the one thing that they can do today to get closer to doing that successfully? So I would say when it comes to honing your pitch and your value statement is Do a little exercise. It'll only take a couple of minutes. Imagine that you are in the lobby of an office building or a hotel, and all of a sudden you spot someone that you've always wanted to talk to. Maybe it's a famous person. Maybe it's an advisor. Maybe it's someone who might be a mentor to you, someone you would love to talk to. And you now have the chance to walk up to that person. You walk up to that person and you say, hi, I'm Tracy. It's lovely to meet you. I've always wanted to meet you. You start rambling and they say, oh, wonderful tell me, what do you do? And you have 30 seconds to one minute to have a succinct pitch to that person. I would say, decide today what you would say to answer the question of what you do, why they should care, and what you could say to get them to a place of wanting to learn more. Memorize it, make it your mantra, feel it passionately, and then start imagining those scenarios where you might be able to 
realize them, and then watch them show up in your life. Amazing. I love that. I think it's such solid advice. And as you were saying it, I was picturing like the literal elevator pitch. And I thought, you know, you've got from the time that the elevator doors close and you're going to your next floor to when they open again. And what impact can you have in that amount of time to convince whoever it is that you're pitching to want to learn more? Exactly. I love it. Tracy, thank you so much. I know you're a very busy lady. Thank you so much for sharing so generously your information and your wealth of knowledge with us today. It has been such a pleasure, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it, my friends. A few tips and tricks from one of our very own master pitchers. Tracy really knows the strategies needed to ensure that your message gets heard, remembered, and that your pitch is responded to with a resounding yes. But the real secret here is that an effective business pitch takes time and research, dedication and work. You need to start with honing your inner confidence and you can never really have too much practice. Today, I hope you've truly heard Tracy's advice and trust that a passionate and energetic pitch goes a long way for the success that lies before you. And never forget, The more you pitch, the better at it you will become. And even though it might not always work out, the real accomplishment is that you tried. Don't forget to visit kellylawson.ca slash 020 to grab today's show notes and resources and to learn how you can connect with Tracy and get your hands on some of her deliciously healthy tea. Until next week, Workshop Warriors, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you Workshop Warrior, you.